being a part of the family of God is a wonderful blessing, don't you think? Uh, I love the fact that we can come together with two different church families here uh, to be able to, uh, to join our hearts together in worship of our Lord and Savior. Um, that is our future. That as, as the, uh, the, uh, the story of God's redemption and God's salvation continues and completes itself as we gather in His presence as a people of God, to be able to, as one group, lift our voices and our hearts together and praise and worship. Uh, there is just something about the, the connection that we have as the people of God that, uh, that allows us to, um, to enjoy one another, to, uh, to, to have a, a, a deeper, better understanding of who God is. And uh, it is wonderful that we can be together. It is also just very good for me to be able to spend a little bit of time with Scott. We, we had so much fun together when we were uh, pastoring together at the Baptist Church here in, in Parksville. Um, so many stories. So many incriminating photos <laughs> that, that we both have. One of my favorites was, I don't know if you know, but Scott was the, uh, the pastor of outreach for the church there in Parksville. And um, so good at that job, right? You guys from Warmland know that he is just such a warm personality. He, he just attracts people to him. He, he is so outgoing and so charismatic, a wonderful guy. And he took this job very seriously. Uh, it was his intent to be able to, to reach out into the community of Parksville and share the good news of Jesus Christ with whoever. And, and he had an opportunity. There was a, 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 some neighborhood young guys that were living nearby him, and he was wanting to build relationship with these folks, with these guys, and, and looking to build common ground. And so one of the things that he did was he bought a motorcycle to be able to, to hang out with these guys, to go for rides with them and stuff. And when he first got it, he was so excited. He went and talked with them, and they said, let's go. So they jumped on their bikes, and Scott followed behind them, and they went screaming off to go uh, enjoy a nice ride together. Scott wasn't considering how crazy these guys were on their bikes. They were, of course, weaving in and out of traffic all the way through town. I think Scott said that they were doing wheelies down through uh, the main center in town. They went out onto the highway, and they were doing full-on wheelies at like 150 kilometers an hour, just screaming down the highway. And Scott was desperately trying to keep up with them. And uh, they were all over the place, and he was... His heart was racing, was getting a little bit ramped up, came to a part in the road, a, just a, a two-lane part of the highway uh, where the guys got in front of him, and he got stuck behind a vehicle and a whole bunch of other vehicles uh, going past so he couldn't get around, and he was losing them. And, and, and he, was, he, he didn't want to lose the opportunity to share Christ with these guys, so he needed to keep up with them. So he waited till all the vehicles passed, and then he zipped out and passed around this guy and went screaming down. Now he had to go super fast because these guys are going fast enough. He had to try and catch up with them. And wouldn't you know, as he is screaming down this road, all of a sudden, a police car passes him. The lights go on, does the U-turn, sirens go on, and Scott very dutifully 
pulls his bike over to the side of the road, and uh, the officer comes up and says, you're going a little fast there, weren't you? Scott says, oh, no, it's okay. I'm a pastor. <laughs> and the, the cop goes, uh-huh. <laughs> Scott says, no, no, you don't understand. I, I'm trying to build relationships with a bunch of these guys. They got ahead of me. I'm just trying to catch up with them. It's okay. I'm a pastor. And the cop says, uh, license and registration, please. <laughs> Scott was very passionate. I think you, you submitted that ticket f as part of a ministry expense, didn't you? I think so. <laughs> but being a part of the body of Christ, the family of God, is just, there's always adventure. There always is, is fun. If you've got your Bibles, we're going to look a little bit more closely at what God has to say to us about how we live together as uh, a family as the body of Christ. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 6. If you don't have a Bible, there's a couple of, uh, of Bibles there on the table. Uh, you're free to help yourself uh, if you want to take those with you. Uh, we're going to be going from the, the English Standard Version, the ESV. Uh, there's a copy of the King James and the ESV that's on the table. The ESV, I think, is the blue one. So uh, you want to help yourself to that one. That's what we're going to be reading from today. So Galatians chapter 6. We're going to read the first 10 verses. Here Paul writes, Brothers and sisters, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. But bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. One who is taught the word must share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. So let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. The main idea that Paul is trying to communicate in this passage goes to verse 2. Is that right? Verse 2. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. What is the law of Christ? Well, in, in order to find out, we have to go back to um, the, the Gospel of John. And John there records for us in chapter 13. And feel free to turn there with me if you'd like. John chapter 13, where Jesus is there with his disciples in the upper room. 
He has just gone through the process of washing the disciples' feet. He has warned them about the one in their midst who is about to betray him. And he's just about to tell uh, Peter of his betrayal that would be coming shortly. And if we turn and we look at John chapter 13 and looking at verse 34, Jesus says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. This is the law of Christ, that we have love for one another. This isn't just any love. This isn't just an easy, uh, um, uh, uh, convenient kind of a love that we would have for one another. It is a love that is based on the very actions of Jesus. In the same way that he has loved us, we are called to love one another. It's a love that sacrifices itself for others. Again, just think of the context. Jesus has just washed the disciples' feet. He has just humbled himself before them to serve them as the very least in their midst. And in all of the ones that he served at that moment, included is Judas, the very one who would betray him with a kiss that Jesus was aware of. It wasn't something that he was uh, unaware of or was a surprise for him. He knew Judas's role. And yet still in love, he served him. That is the law of Christ. And, and that is the, the one distinguishing factor that sets aside the people of Jesus, the followers of Jesus, from everyone else in the world. Love can be easy with people who are the same as you. With people that you agree with. With people that have the same values and the same priorities as you do. You can get a, a stadium full of people that all have the same love for their team and, and, and they can express all kinds of love and unity for one another in that setting. They will sing songs, they will chant chants, they'll do wave, they'll do all kinds of things in unity and in harmony because they all agree that they want their team to win. The thing that sets Christ's love apart from any other kind of love is that even in the midst of all of our differences, even in the midst of, of all of the, the different priorities that we would have, the, the ways that we see life differently, the, the, the different things that, that, that motivate us, in the times when, when we disagree with one another, 
when we interpret things differently, whether it's Scripture, whether it is the days that we see around us, whether it is the, uh, the, the, the government of the day, whether it is the, the movement of society in a particular direction, in the midst of all of those differences, the followers of Christ still love one another. Still love one another with a self-sacrificing servant love. So when Paul writes that, that we are called to bear one another's burdens, that's exactly what he's talking about. In the same way that Christ serves us, that he loves us, we are called to love and serve one another. Have you ever had anybody that, that came alongside and, and bore your burden with you? that helped you through a difficult time. There's this one, uh, one gentleman that was a part of the, the Baptist church um, who became very precious to me. It started off, he came to, to, my, uh, to the office of the church to, to talk about a, a, a program that he wanted to start in our, in our congregation. It was a, a, a peer counseling kind of a, of a program where it would train up people to be able to, uh, to meet the needs and to serve and to help others that are going through difficult times and struggles and things like that. Uh, so he came and he presented this, uh, this to me and we talked about it and, and he was intent on taking me through the program so I would have an opportunity to see the content and understand the impact that this could potentially have in our congregation. And as we went through that material together, it, it required uh, on both of our parts quite a bit of honesty and, and authenticity in front of one another, a little bit of bearing our souls that we could get to know each other. And as, as, as we initially started spending that time together and going through that process, I found in this gentleman somebody that I could trust, somebody that I respected, somebody who very clearly, clearly lived out the love of Christ for me. And it turned into a relationship that, that we met on a regular basis and I could just blah, let myself be open and real. Working through things that, that had uh, been a part of my life uh, for years and years and, and this guy would love me through it all. I can't tell you what it's like to have that kind of a relationship where you just know that this person, no matter how, how much of the darkness of your own heart that you are able to reveal to him, that that love, that acceptance, and that respect and that trust is always safe and secure. We all need that. We all need that place in, in, in our lives where we would have that, that safety, some place where we can be real with one another. That is what we are called to be as the family of God. That we would bear one another's burdens, that we would encourage and, and, and support one another through the, uh, the difficulties of life. 
So, so what are the burdens that, that Paul is encouraging us to bear for one another? Well, as you, you look at the context of this verse, it starts off talking about people being caught in sin. One of the ways that we bear one another's burdens is, is we hold each other accountable. That we recognize that all of us make mistakes, that all of us uh, have weaknesses and darknesses within our own hearts, that we have struggles that we, f- that, that we deal with that, that, that are hard for us to be able to overcome. And bearing one, another, one another's burdens means coming alongside each other and dealing with those difficult conversations. That is not easy to do. It is not easy to do to let somebody know about those mistakes, those corrections that are needed in my own heart. But it's even more challenging to sit down with somebody and say, brother, sister, I think you're missing the best that God has for you. Oh, those are, those are difficult talks to have. And yet, absolutely an essential part of our walk with Christ. To be able to have somebody who, who's there because in my life I get blinders on, right? I don't, I, I, I don't I'm not able to, or, or, or maybe even more, more clearly, I choose not to see those areas of weakness in my life. It, it, it's not comfortable for me to be able to face that. And so I, I deceive myself, I fool myself that everything's okay. And I need you to come and help me set me straight, to, to reveal to me the Word of God, to be able to, to, to get back on His path. So I think that, that certainly is, is part of, of the kinds of burdens that we are to bear for one another. But Jesus also talks about the importance of, of his followers, that they are the ones who, who visit, who, who, who help out the hungry, who give water to the thirsty, who, who visit the sick, who clothe the naked, who visit those who are imprisoned. All of those kinds of physical needs are also part of the way that we live out that law of Christ, that we bear one another's burdens, that when one of us is struggling through a, a physical ailment, through a, a time of, of a low employment or, or lack of income, in any of those kinds of situations that, that we would be able to come alongside each other and support one another and and help um, uh, build up one another. Jesus also talked about the way that that we love our neighbor, and our neighbor is anybody who is in need. Just in the same way that the good Samaritan loved his neighbor, the man who was lying on the side of the road with very real physical needs that the Samaritan was able to minister to that had uh, financial needs that the Samaritan then gave out of his own purse to be able to pay for. All of these are burdens that we are called to bear for one another. 
I don't know if you noticed while we were reading through this passage, but it almost seems like Paul does a bit of a flip-flop here. He starts off in, in verse 2 talking about how we are to bear one, another bur- one another's burdens. Uh, but then we go down and get to verse 4 and verse 5, and, and, and verse 4 says, but let each one test his own work that the reason that he may boast will be in himself. Verse 5, for each one will have to bear his own load. Paul actually uses the very same words here when talking about bearing one another's burdens, that we are now to bear our own burden. And it seems like he's talking out of both sides of his mouth, but actually he's perfectly understanding human nature, right? Because I know that in my own heart, if there's any opportunity to blame somebody else for my problems, I'm going to grab it. So when things go wrong and I get in trouble and, and my life gets, gets off the rails, I could read verse, verse 2 and say, it's all of your fault. You didn't bear my burdens and you left me to, to, to fend for myself. But Paul is is qualifying this. He's he's saying we still each are responsible for our own choices. That just because we are are part of a family that bears one another's burdens doesn't mean that that, that we give up or that we abdicate responsibility for the choices that we make, for the roles that we do, for, for taking care of ourselves. That we don't just sit back and let everybody else do the work for me. We are all individually responsible, but we are all also responsible to care for one another. (laughs) That's the best way for relationships to work, don't you think? Whether it's, whether it's within the church as, as a part of the family of God, whether it is as friendships, whether it's as husband and wife, that each one is taking responsibility for their, own, for their own choices, for their own decisions. But each one is also looking to bear the burden of the other. To care for and to minister to those uh, that are hurting, that are going through struggles. That's the, the foundation for our relationships as a part of the people of God. So what does Paul tell us? How does he help us to know how we can bear one another's burdens? What, what are the, the lessons that we can learn for, for the, the way that we would go about bearing one another's burdens? I, I think the first principle, it's not explicitly stated here in the passage, but I think it is... Uh, it is just implied, it is, it is understood that, that first of all, in order to bear one another's burdens, we must be present. If we're not involved, if we're not invested in one another's lives, how could we ever know what burdens each other has? How would we ever get to the place where, where we could actually see one another and see the needs that are there in one another's lives and, and, and be there to be able to minister to those needs? 
our relationships here as the people of God, as, as the church of Christ, means that, that it goes beyond just meeting here together on a Sunday morning. It's more than just uh, sitting down in the same room with, with a small group and going through a study together. It's actually investing yourself in one another's lives, getting to know one another, sharing uh, heartfelt with one another, giving people an opportunity to know you and showing interest in getting to know the other. I, I think one of the blessings that has come out of all of this craziness with pandemic i think each one of us is 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 beginning to realize the importance of this family i think i think we've we in the past maybe have fooled ourselves that the church the relationships that we had in church weren't that important and we could just go on a Sunday and, and we still had lots of other places that we could connect and, and share with, with, with people and, and build relationships. But one of the things that, that, that I know I have discovered is within the, the, the breakdown of our society, in the, the, the isolation that people have felt imposed uh, by others and self-imposed. As, as we see the, the moral fabric of our society being ripped to shreds, the things that, that we thought at one point were, were, were acceptable by our, by our culture, Across the board, the values that were there, the, the things that, that we identified as right and wrong, that there was a standard that was pretty consistent across our nation. As that has been uh, dissolving more and more, this family has become very important to me. And if we are going to, to be effective as the body of Christ, as we are going to become a, a place of, of solace, a place of hope, a place of, of love and friendship, then we as God's people need to be invested in one another's lives more and more. It needs to be more than just Sunday morning, sit down beside one another and shake each other's hands. It is delving deeply into one another's lives. So the first principle of how we bear somebody's burden is we need to be present. Second principle that we learn here from, uh, from Paul is that we need to be spirit-led. He says there in verse 1, You who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Uh, the context of, of this whole passage, uh, Paul has just been talking about the fruits of the Spirit. He's been talking about the way that we walk by the Spirit, that, that every moment of our lives needs to be guided by the Spirit. And, and I, I love that picture that he uses, that mental picture of walking by the Spirit. Walking is only accomplished by putting one foot in front of the other. As soon as I stop putting one foot in front of the other, I am no longer walking. 
For me to be walking by the Spirit, I need to be every moment intentional about listening to what the Spirit is saying to me. I need to be, have my heart prepared to be able to hear the things that the Spirit is saying to me. And I need to practice a, a pattern of being quick to obey. That when I hear His voice, when He speaks to me, then I act. That's what means what Paul means when he says, you who are spiritual, you who are keeping in step with the Spirit, that is so essential for being able to bear one another's burdens because we can do so much damage when we are trying to help somebody out in our own strength. I read this, the, the signals all wrong. My ideas of what's important are very different from what that person needs. The complexity of our world today is just way, way bigger than I'm able to be able to figure out. I need the Spirit's guidance. I need to hear His voice to know how I can bear one, uh, a burden of a brother or a sister so that so that, that love that I extend towards them, that, that service that I extend towards them, actually accomplishes something of value. So we need to be present. We need to be spirit-led. We need to do it in gentleness. Paul writes, You who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Good intentions and good actions can get absolutely thrown out the window when it's done in a spirit of arrogance, in a, in a, a, a direction of, of authoritative control. There are, there are people that have great ideas about caring for others. And they force themselves on somebody who's not looking for that. They know the right way that this person needs help. And so they're going to help them whether they want it or not. But when we are, are bearing one another, another's burdens in a spirit of gentleness, we are listening. We're listening to come alongside the, the place where the Spirit is already working in that person's life, to join in that conversation that, that God is doing, the, that, that healing work that God is doing in their hearts, and we come alongside what God is doing rather than imposing our own agenda and our, our ideas of what needs to happen in that person's life. We do it in a spirit of gentleness. And then finally... If we are to be effective in the way that we bear one another's burdens, we need to be giving. It's going to cost you. Jesus' love and service for us cost him dearly. And if we are to love others like He loves us, there's going to be a price 
There's going to be a cost. It can't just be nice words and platitudes. It can't just be thoughts and prayers. It needs to come from our heart. It's going to cost us some time. It's going to cost us some finances sometimes. It's going to cost us energy and, and, and investment. It may even cost us reputation. But you can be sure that if you are being spirit-led, then in order for you to bear one another's burdens, you are going to need to give. And in our world today, that doesn't make sense. And that doesn't play well. But it's exactly what our world needs. People that are willing to sacrifice themselves in order to serve the needs of others. And that's why Jesus said, The world will know you are my disciples because of the love that you have for one another. There is no greater witness that we can have in this world than loving one another. The more that we spend time here in this group loving and caring for one another, the world is going to look at that and they are going to recognize that there is something different. Because all of us, sorry to say it, are very unlovable. And yet, when people will see that we are willing to sacrifice for one another, that this is a place where people give to one another, where, where this is a place where people, in the midst of all of their brokenness, in the midst of all of their, their sin, that this is a place where they are loved, where they are accepted. That this is a place where lives are being transformed because, because brothers and sisters are willing to join arms and link, link missions together to be able to serve one another and help each other move through difficult times. As the world sees that happen here, they're going to be drawn to it. And as our society continues to collapse around us, all the more effective that witness and testimony is going to be. As the moral fabric of our society continues to, uh, to slip away, to, to fall apart, where, where the world around us calls that which is good, bad, and calls that which is bad, good. And there are more and more victims of those bad ideas, those evil ideas that are happening out in the world. This is going to be a place of hope. The church 
is going to be the place where people find the warmth of God. And this is going to be the place where lives are transformed. So then, as we have, op- as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, but especially those who are of the household of faith. Let's pray. Jesus, you love us so well. And you have given us an amazing example of what it means to love. You set the bar really high. And I know that in my own life, there is no way that I could ever live up to that standard, to that example that you have set. And so it gives me great comfort and joy to know that you want to love others through me. And that as I listen to your Spirit, as I prepare my heart to hear what your Spirit is saying to me, that you will then transform my attitudes my thoughts, my words, and my deeds to fall into line with your example and, and the great love that you have shown to me. Lord, we pray for our world. We pray for those that are being duped by the lies in our world. We pray for those that in their rebellion against you have flung themselves headlong into all kinds of perversions and insanities. Lord, our heart goes out to them and we want to see them set free. And so we ask God that you would help us to be that, that, that family of God that loves in such a divine way that it transforms the world that we live in. Help us to love those who are in our communities, that are in our lives, that are in our families, that are far from you. Help us to extend your love towards them in whatever way that we can. But Lord, I pray that you would also be working on our hearts that we would love each other here in this family. That it would be a divinely sourced love that, that, that belies all of the diversity and and uniqueness within our midst. That even in those places where we have struggles, where we disagree, where where there is conflict, 
that we would still be able to love one another, that we would be able to see you in the other, and that we would be able to bear one another's burdens. Thank you for what you're going to do in our midst. Thank you what you're going to do in our lives. And thank you what you are going to do in our world as we commit to following your spirit in our lives. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.